0: The Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You think it's going to be a fairly quiet week, and then, boom, a random day occurs. And all of a sudden, Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, announces that he's going to take the 2023 year off from coaching. And he advised the team of it about a week ago. And now all of a sudden it looks like the Bills might not fill the defensive coordinator position based on the comments from Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean at the NFL Combine. One of the things that's been consistently brought up since the Leslie Frazier news was announced was, why now? What's with the timing? And I'm going to go ahead and press the rampant speculation alert button because we really don't know until he actually tells us, and he very well may not do that. But I'm going to go ahead and press the rampant speculation button. There are red alarm buttons going off because I am going to speculate. I think this is an Eric B. enemy situation. I think that Leslie Frazier really wants to be an NFL head coach, and I think that he believed that if he were to coordinate a top NFL defense Statistically speaking, which is what he has done over the last couple of years, that he would get another shot. He was, in fact, a final candidate for the Houston Texans job not too long ago. But then this cycle comes around. And finally, the last domino falls. And the NFL head coaches have been hired. And Leslie Frazier looks around and says, I didn't really get much of a sniff here. Perhaps there's a reason. Perhaps I'm not getting a sniff here because people believe this is Sean McDermott's defense. Maybe if I take a year off and I return to coaching in 2024, mind you, did not say this press release and the statement from the Buffalo Bills that he would return to coaching in 2024 with the Bills. He might, but it specifically didn't say he'd be back with the team in 2024. But maybe if I take a year off, recalibrate, we've seen what that's done with the stock of other coaches. It has not hurt it at all. And then I go and I become a defensive coordinator for another team and I show positive results. I can get one last crack at being an NFL head coach because it very well may be that much like the Eric B situation in Kansas city, that one of the popular narratives is that it's really Andy Reid's offense. And they look around and go, you know, the Matt Nagy thing didn't go too well. Maybe it's not really an Eric Bieniemy thing. Maybe it's much more of an Andy Reid thing. And so Eric Bieniemy thinks, well, if I go to Washington, and if I'm the offensive coordinator for the commanders, if I'm able to show out with Sam Howell or a veteran or a draft pick as my quarterback, instead of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. If ever there was a circumstance in which you could be overshadowed, it would be with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And if I'm able to go, as Eric Biennemi, to the Washington Commanders and have success, I can show it's really me. I can step out of that shadow, and I can get that limelight where I become undeniable as a head coaching candidate. My rampant speculation says... Maybe that's the situation with Leslie Frazier. Maybe he feels like he's gone as far as he can go at this point, but didn't really know that until all of the head coaching roles were filled and all of the defensive coordinator roles were filled. Maybe there was going to be a team who would have come and knocked on the Bills' door about Leslie Frazier as a defensive coordinator candidate, and maybe the Bills would have let him. Out of respect for wanting Leslie Frazier to be able to get some of that shine, get some of that limelight. The fact that Sean McDermott is considering taking over defensive play calling himself and mentioned that that's a possibility just goes to show you that this logic kind of runs its course. It kind of makes sense. So that's me putting on my rampant speculation hat as to why now. And what could potentially be the thinking around Leslie Frazier. And as another reminder, it's just rampant speculation. That's what it is. It's me trying to connect some dots and opining on a potential logical thread. That's it. The NFLPA released a report card on Wednesday, March 1st, grading the team's based on the response of over 1,300 individual NFL players. These teams were graded based on numerous specific categories. The categories were as follows. Treatment of families, food service and nutrition, weight room, strength coaches, training room, training staff, locker room, and team travel. This is really, when you think about it, an ownership grade. Because none of these things have a team required to spend meaningful amounts of money on them. That's how we should look at this. This is an organizational grade specifically down to the owner and what kind of money they're willing to spend. Overall, the Bills ranked ninth in the NFL out of 32 teams. They scored fourth in treatment of families, 15th in food service and nutrition, They were tied for first in weight room and strength coaching. Tied for fifth in training room. Tied for ninth in training staff. Tied for eighth in locker room. And tied for 25th. They got a D plus in team travel. Some things that were outlined were the fact that the Buffalo Bills offer a family room and daycare, which was filed under support of players' families. They were worried a little bit that the team nutritionist works for both the Sabres and the Bills. They're part of the Pagula sports entertainment family, and players think it might limit the amount of time that they can focus on just the players in the Bills locker room. It's of no surprise that they think that the strength coaches and weight room are tops in the NFL after the amount of money that Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula put into that Sports facility. Overall. This is really an ownership grade. Is your team putting the appropriate amount of money. Into the facilities and the staff. To make sure the players are well taken care of. These kind of things feel like tiebreakers to me. It feels like we all know. That you don't really have a choice. Where you get drafted. In most circumstances. And then you have the tag. And there's a lot of team control over players in the NFL. But when unrestricted free agency actually hits, we all know money is the biggest factor. But things like this, things like this matter. And I think it's a good thing that the NFLPA is releasing things like this. Because sometimes the only way to get billionaires to do things that will impact their bottom line in a negative way is peer pressure. And so if you are a team and you show up at the very bottom of this, you're going to get asked about it by the media and it's going to force you to respond. And I think that's a good thing. I do. They're world-class athletes. I don't think any of the things that are listed on this are unreasonable Already, Michael Bidwell is taking an absolute beating. Bidwell is the owner of the Arizona Cardinals. For the idea that when you get food from the cafeteria at the Cardinals facility, it is subtracted from your paycheck. There have been plenty of former players who have come out in the media and said, listen, not every NFL owner is trying to win. Most of them are just trying to make a buck and that's it. That's the only priority, not the biggest priority, the only priority for a lot of NFL team owners. And that kind of thing shows up in times like this. So I think not only is it a good thing that the Buffalo Bills were ranked in the top 10 with their lowest mark and what drug them down being team travel, which would make sense given the fact that they're in Buffalo and they've had recently significant travel problems due to snowstorms. So it's good that the Buffalo Bills are in the top 10. But also, it's good that there's teams at the very bottom who are kind of suffering through some embarrassment. There are people who are working in PR for those teams dealing with this fallout right now. And GMs and owners are going to be asked about it. Good. Good. Because it's basically an ownership stat. This is stew for owners. That's what it is. Because it's not just hiring a GM who does really good things with your team. That's not it. That might be you just getting lucky with a GM and they do all the work and you get to sit back and go, oh, look at me. I'm a great owner. Are you willing to spend what it takes to make sure that the assets you have, your players are well taken care of? And there's an element of humanity to some of this stuff. Having daycare at the facility, for example. Are you taking care of your players? It's a tiebreaker potentially when it comes to free agent decisions. We've seen multiple times that these things can be tiebreakers for people. Now, money is obviously the biggest factor. It's always going to be the biggest factor. But if the money is close, you might go, maybe I don't want to play for Arizona. Maybe I don't want to play for Washington. Maybe I'd rather play for Buffalo. Maybe I'd rather play for Minnesota, Miami. Teams that scored really high on these metrics. So I think it's kind of ownership stew. And I am pleased about it. We're going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. And thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We talked about Leslie Frazier. We had rampant speculation. We talked about the NFLPA report card. We talked about why I like it. Now, we're going to talk about selective memory. My wife has a fascinating selective memory. We were in the car not too long ago. And she was humming along to a song because she didn't know the lyrics of the second verse of the song. And then out of nowhere, at the very end, when the refrains start repeating and the singer starts going on their runs, she starts hitting all of the runs. Every single, whoa, every single, whoa, every single one, she hit. And I looked at her for a second, and then I get my eyes on the road because I'm a good driver, and she looked back over, and I said, you don't know the lyrics to the second half of this song, but you know all the runs like the back of your hand. She laughed and said, yeah. And I said, isn't it funny how we can hear the same song over and over again and remember very, very, very different things. We can take out the things that stick with us and we can leave behind the things that don't stick with us. And I wonder why that is. Do you remember last year when the narrative around the Buffalo Bills was they need to go all in? Do you remember that? Do you remember the podcast we talked about last year? All the narratives about going all in, Super Bowl or bust, your window is now, and the Buffalo Bills signed a pass rusher in his 30s to a six-year, a $120 million contract, and the Bills went all in. Do you remember the email that I got last week about the Bills window potentially being closed? Do you see where I'm going with this? The best way to approach this offseason is to first look back at the way you felt last offseason. That is the best way you can go about doing it because it prevents us from having selective memory because we do. We say, oh man, the window's closed this offseason. Not remembering that you wanted them to close the window and go all in last year. I don't care about next year. Go all in. The cap isn't real. Do what you got to do. And then this year, it's, oh no, the window's closed. We missed our best opportunity. It's over. Actions have consequences. But if you don't remember what got you into the consequence, you're going to continue to do the action. So if you're somebody whose Venn diagram overlaps... If you are somebody, because somebody out there was the go all in last offseason guy and also the oh no, our windows closed this offseason guy. And this discussion is directed at you. Because someone out there has those two circles overlapping. If that's you, I'm not sitting here like dunking on people. That's not what I'm doing. But let's not have selective memory. Let's not forget the way we felt last offseason and the way it relates to how we feel this offseason. For a long time, we didn't have to learn anything because the team never got anywhere. The team was perpetually between 6-10 and 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 9-7 and missed the playoffs for 17 years, and we didn't have to have this conversation. We didn't have to talk about Windows for Super Bowls opening and closing. There's an entire generation of Buffalo Bills fans that have never, ever had to deal with the idea that your Super Bowl window might be closing and how to keep it open. They never had to deal with this before. But now the next time this happens, the next time this discussion comes around, we might be a little bit better prepared. Because we didn't have selective memory. We didn't memorize the lyrics, but not the runs. We remember the song in its totality, not the part of the song that made us feel happy. Not the part of the song that particularly stuck with us, the entire song. So as the off-season starts to gear up, combine, free agency, trades, the draft. Let's not have selective memory let's remember all of what the team did and all of what the narratives were and all of what our opinions were and all of the way that those things worked out for us. If you flip a coin five times and it comes up heads each time and then you flip it for a sixth time, what are the chances of it coming up heads again? Well, we're, we're due for uh, tails. Nope. It's still 50%. Why do I bring it up? The combine is getting ready to kick off. And one of the things that you're going to see a lot of is physical archetypes. Length, height, weight, speed. You're going to see archetypes for position. Players who have this length arms, players who are this tall, players in this percentile of speed. And you're going to fall in love with a player who's an outlier. And that's okay. Just know that they're an outlier. Low percentage hit profiles don't suddenly become high percentage hit profiles once a player hits with that profile. Zay Flowers put on 13 pounds was all over social media, put on 13 pounds of muscle for the combine, played in the low 170s, got up to 180, 183, short arms, pretty short, five nine. He is a size outlier. And people say, Well, Bruce, what about Antonio Brown? What about Deontay Johnson? First off, they're about an inch taller and they're heavier. But also, don't tell me that those two people hit. Show me every single other wide receiver who was that size and whether or not they hit. We have a tendency to define a player by their outlier if we like the player and not if we don't. Devon Achain, running back, Texas A&M, is 180 pounds. There aren't 180-pound running backs who are successful. They just they just don't really exist. Could he be the first? Absolutely, he could be. But if you like him, you're going to say he's an outlier. But outliers exist for a reason. It doesn't mean they have a 0% chance of hitting. It means they have a really low percent chance of hitting. And even if one of them hits, that doesn't mean that that archetype now has a higher percent chance of hitting. It still has the same low percent. This is exactly what we did with Josh Allen, folks. And we're on this side of the table for Josh Allen. We go, ha, 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 go ahead. Go chase your Josh Allen. He's one in a million. But yet we do it when we have a player that we love. We, as Bills fans, laugh about it when everyone says it's going to be the next Josh Allen, the next Josh Allen, the next Josh Allen. And we defend our guy saying he's one in a million. He is Josh Allen the improbable. But we can't do that and then simultaneously flip around and say, oh, well, yeah, this outlier guy is totally going to hit because, you know, Deontay Johnson did, Antonio Brown did. Yes, they did. Number one, they're not the same level of outlier. And number two, they're outliers. They were drafted in the third day because they were outliers. With the risk profile comes the draft capital profile. Antonio Brown was a sixth round pick. Deontay Johnson was a fifth round pick. These are day three players. Do you know why they were day three players? In part, because of the low percentage of their hit profile. Their size scared people away. The fact that one or two of them hit doesn't change anything. If you have a 2% chance of winning a bet and you win it, you do it again, it's still 2%. If you have a 50% chance of it being heads and you get heads four times in a row and you flip it, it's still 50%. That didn't change. Players who are really, really small have their chances of success go down. Players who are really, really short have their chance of success going down. Players who are really, really slow have their chances of success going down. They're outliers for a reason. Just because you hit on them once or twice doesn't mean they're not outliers. They still are. And that percentage didn't change just because once or twice, they hit. We understand it with Josh Allen. We need to understand it with other positions as well from the other side of the coin. So as you're watching the combine this weekend and as you're seeing size profiles, weight profiles, length profiles start to show up, You don't rule people out because of them in a lot of cases, but outliers are outliers for a reason. And if you want to play in the outlier space, that's okay. You can do it. Just understand it. Bill Parcells had a great quote about this. Bill Parcells said, Tom Landry told me one time, Bill, if you start drafting exceptions, pretty soon, you're going to have a team full of exceptions. I'm saying don't make an exception ever. I'm saying be very, very wary. Don't blow it off. Don't write it off. Don't say, "Oh, it's well, fine, it's fine." It matters. It's the reason why people do this. It's the reason why they go to the combine. It's the reason why they get measurements. As a general rule, the NFL is about big and fast players beating up on small and slow players. So this weekend, all into next week, we're going to find out who's the big and fast and who's the small and slow. And if you happen to be one of the small and slow players, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.